1: two guys of Minnesota Sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and Scorenorth.com.
2: And actually it is time for fortunately or unfortunately this week, talking twins, Zolged, Jake DePew, Declan Goff. Uh so Jake DePew, the twins, since we last did this show a week ago, one and five. They just lost two to Pittsburgh. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some stats I broke down last night. Because there's a lot to talk about here. There's a ton to get to, but I really feel it begins at the plate with the once-great Bama squad, which has now been defused beyond belief. I'm going to give you the first seven games versus the last 13, okay? The first seven games of the season, which included games against Milwaukee, Detroit, and then the opening home opener, tend to win against the Mariners. Twins went 5-2. and They hit two seventy eight. They averaged 6.6 runs which probably wasn't sustainable, but you thought, okay, they'll come down a tick. They averaged 10.1 hits, um, and they walked four times per game. So that was a very solid start for seven games, all right? Since then, 13 games, including yesterday. This team is 2-11. They are hitting 218. They're averaging three runs per game. They're averaging 6.8 hits per game. And if you take out the 12-run effort that they had in the debacle last Wednesday against the A's, you are now, um, batting average-wise, below 200. And run scoring-wise, you are in the twos. I think, on the surface at least, it's very easy to diagnose what the problem is. And here's my last statement before I give the floor to you. So I am told by some, well, the Twins aren't healthy, Judd. Just wait. Sano's out. Kepler's out. I mean, Cave and Astadillo are playing, which I agree with. They are not everyday players. But Miguel Sano was hitting 111 when he went out. Max Kepler had three hits on opening day, and besides that, had been a hot mess until he went on the COVID list. The catching position with Jeffers and Garver's a black hole. The point being is, I'm not exactly sure where the cavalry's going to come from to save the day offensively, but this is why I have very big concerns and I'm willing to panic about the 2021 twins.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's fair. Like we're 20 games in, and so I, I, it's it is still a small sample size. There's a lot of season to go, but man, the early returns have been uh, really bad, um, especially like you said over the past uh, 10 games or so. Um, Garver, I, I really thought Garver was going to turn it around, and he still very well might, um, but he has has really struggled um at the plate I think what he struck out four times I believe he struck out four times uh yesterday um and and if you just go position by position I mean there are very few guys other than Buxton that that are hitting the ball even at their career average you know in terms of their numbers or or just or or just are hitting the ball well barreling up a lot of balls I mean Cruz and Donaldson you know that that starter yesterday will will crow like that (laughs) No offense to Will Crow, but, like, he's a, you know, quad A type of pitcher. I mean, that offense should have destroyed him, you know, and and even Donaldson and Cruz, you know, couldn't really get anything going against him. Uh, There are a lot of major concerns. They called up Kirloff finally, and um, I I was kind of annoyed that uh, Sano went on the IL because it gave them a legit excuse to call up Kirloff, you you know, immediately after uh, the service time issues were no longer, um, or the service time, you know, a dilemma was no longer an issue because sure. he had passed that point. Um, it gave them a legit excuse to call him up uh, because I really wanted to rip them over that. But, you know, Kirloff's up and he's hasn't gotten a hit yet. He's hit the ball hard. But they called up Nick Gordon and then they sent him down after he was on the roster for three games. They never even put him into a game. It's like, let's why not see what he can do? That also just seems a little cruel to me. The guy's been in the organization for seven years waiting for a shot. Finally gets called up. You can't even put him in a, into the game as a pinch hitter, you know, in that 62 loss on Sunday. Like I didn't understand that. Um, so yeah, I mean the entire offense basically is struggling other than Buxton, you know, I I mean, Cruz has been good, um, for the most part, uh, other other than this Pittsburgh series, but it's really just Buxton carrying the load and and Donaldson, you know, had a good series in Oakland, but, um, uh, man, it's, I don't even know where to, I I don't know where there's so many issues with this team. Um, be at the front office, you know, decision-making, managerial decision-making, just lacks of ex- lack of execution on the field. These just soul-crushing losses uh, that they've endured. It's not looking good right now. I mean, they have the second-worst record in baseball, uh, and they're digging themselves a pretty deep hole. You know, the old saying is you can't win a division in April, but you can lose it, yeah. uh, and, and they're really putting that to the test.
2: And I think the thing, too, here is, and so I, I gave you the quantifiables of, like, the problems and, and right now, they're a mess at the plate. Um, Columet is certainly in the bullpen, off to a terrible start. People might come around, too. But here's the unquantifiable thing that I think, if you've watched this team on a daily basis, you can't get past. Something's off. Like, something feels off. And and I'll counter that by saying it was crystal clear in 2019, Jake, that something was right, like it worked and you could see it clicking. And there, there are things about sports, especially sports where teams play a lot of games where you can sort of get a pretty good sense of of, you know what, this really is clicking and it's really working or it seems off. And now we've discussed this before, but without access to the clubhouse, I will say right now that I don't really see anything that I can tell you exactly, hey, you know, this guy seems like a jerk, or this guy was the right addition, or, the, you know, what, four, four years, five years back, you could unequivocally say, Lance Lynn's a jerk. <laughs> Lomo didn't work, right? Like that whole, that whole group, because we had access at the time, you saw it in motion and said, this isn't really... A good idea. This didn't work. I can't tell you that now, but I can tell you that from going to games and watching games, it just seems like there's something missing here. And I wonder as far as Baldelli goes, Jake, you know, he has done, he does a marvelous job of even keel. And when things are good, he doesn't get too high or too low. And I think when things are good, that works really well. And it's not that I think that he should panic. So I'm not saying that, but he lacks any sense of urgency of the moment that I do wonder if that's not a positive now because it does. Because this team right now, I mean, you've won two of your past 13 games, and yet I don't feel any urgency of hold on a second here. We got to change this. And I just wonder if the ingredients aren't, aren't at their best. And I don't know if there's a person with this team who sort of knows how to put their foot down just a little bit and say, this has to change fellows. I mean, this has to change right now. And we can't talk about rest and recovery or more night games. I mean, Rocco talked about more night games. Those aren't the type of things I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting things on the right track because you've been proactive to do it. Not saying, well, look at what the schedule brings us now. More sleep time. Yeah. So, to get on your last
1: point, like, that that really bothered me from uh, his last couple of pressers. He was talking about all of these challenges they've had to face. And and they have had a lot of challenges, for sure, with the schedule. But, like, he was talking about day games, right? They don't get enough work on the field, and guys have to get up earlier. Well, the other team is playing day games, too. Like, that four-game series against Boston, you know, the Red Sox had to get up early, too. And they're on the road. Like, I mean, I, I don't see that as a legitimate excuse. Cold weather. He, he was talking about the weather being cold. Well, the Red Sox and all, and the Pirates and all these other teams are playing in the cold weather too. Right. Like that's just that, that that doesn't carry any any weight to me. Like the, the if you're the only team that has to deal with something, that's a little bit different. They had the COVID issue that they had to deal with. That sucked for them for sure. Um, but. You know, other teams have dealt with it. The Marlins and the Cardinals both uh, dealt with it and and came back and played well and made the playoffs last year, as expanded playoffs, but still. Uh, I I just think, you know, you can't use those as excuses, especially, again, the things that other teams are dealing with at the same time. Uh, But he basically said in the presser, like, now we're going to get back to night games and a regular baseball schedule. Okay, well, so you better go out there and win some games now. Uh, Otherwise, you know, those comments aren't going to look very good. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if he's met with the team. He doesn't seem like he does that type of thing very often, at least based on what he said publicly, but this sure seems like a good time to have, you know, a team meeting or maybe the players have a players only meeting or whatever, but I, I I'm with you. This would be a really fascinating time for the media to, to be in the clubhouse. Cause I think we'd have a much better sense of it as it is. We have no idea. We have no idea. Um, and because they haven't reached the 85% threshold with the, the vaccines, Uh, they're still going to have to deal with all these COVID restrictions. And I have something that I want to talk about with that in a little bit as well. Sure. Um, But I think that's probably weighing on them. And I think they're probably, and I I would guess if I was one of the guys who got vaccinated, I would be annoyed that I'm still having to deal with these protocols because some players haven't gotten vaccinated. Now some have changed their minds. Doogie
2: said that, that that is, he, he told us on the scoop last week, exactly that, that there are players and I don't blame one bit who are annoyed by that fact because like they can't go out on the road because of that, like like there's a lot of just simple day to day my life is is at least normal enough where I can go to a restaurant, right, or I can go get a pop at the store um and Duke said that there is definitely some trickle down and annoyed players who did get the vaccine after they beat Seattle for the whole moltener because mm-hmm. they those guys still can't go out and can't do things, and look, you can't tell me that that's not important. Like, you can't tell me that that does not make a difference. It's a long year. Baseball and all sports are a complete grind. And so if I'm pissed off at my shortstop, that doesn't help things one bit, right? So, yeah, I think that there's a definite trickle down there. And that's what I'm saying is, without seeing it personally, something feels off here. This doesn't feel like the Kumbaya Twins of 2019.
1: And here's the other thing I want to bring up with the vaccines. So Megan, Megan Ryan, uh, from the star tribune had a, had a good article about, um, the dynamic kind of between Falvey and Rocco and we'll get into that. But one of the things she noted in that article is that 83%, uh, of the, of the tier one personnel have either been vaccinated or had COVID and have antibodies. And I guess, I don't know if they count towards that 85% or not, but basically what, um, what she reported in that article is that a number of players, uh, have changed their mind now after seeing this COVID scare and have decided to get the shot, but because they couldn't get Johnson and Johnson because Johnson and Johnson was off the market, you know, for the last couple of weeks, they got the first shot of Moderna or or Pfizer, right? So they have to wait now either three or four weeks, depending on which brand they got to get the second shot. And then another two weeks after that, before they're considered fully vaccinated. So they basically lost like six weeks. You know, if they had just all gotten the Johnson and Johnson shot, they would have been, the protocols would have been loosened by now. You just have to wait two weeks and you're done. Yep. Uh, so they've basically blown six weeks now where every road trip they're on, they're going to have to deal with these protocols. That's a significant chunk of the season. And so that resentment that players are, are feeling or might be feeling is going to linger uh, You know, for the next six weeks until they finally get over that 85%. So it's just Absolutely. it's just a bad situation all around. There's just not a lot of positives to talk about. I, I wish we could. I wish we could come on here and talk about how good the twins are and all these great individual
2: performances. There's just
1: not much well, to there's talk bu- there's about Buxton. Other, I mean we could talk about Buxton. Buxton. yeah,
2: I mean, we could talk about Buxton and that's about it. And he's yeah. been great, but unfortunately, it's one guy. and yeah, so it's not and look for for our show, for our um for our podcast, our station, all of that, this stinks like this is no fun. I, I I hope I'm wrong. I hope nothing's wrong. I hope they go on a hot streak in May and it carries over and they win a third consecutive division title and damn it, win a playoff game. Okay. But I also can't lie about what I what I feel about the team and what we've seen so far and my questions. And look, if Sano had hurt his hamstring and he was hitting three forty and had eight home runs or something, I'd say, Yeah, it'll be great. He'll be back. You know, it's gonna be great. But I just, I'm looking for the bright spot of, okay, he comes back. He wasn't hitting. He was damn near unplayable. And, and don't tell me he's an on base machine. Okay. Like, don't tell, oh, but, but you don't understand, Judd. He's Lou Brock. He's Ricky Henderson. You know, no, he's Miguel Snow. He's supposed to hit home runs. Um, Jake Cave is playing far too much. I don't like that. But Max Kepler wasn't good. So, so the problem is if you could tell me, Hey, guys are going to come back and they are going to be absolutely fine. And the other thing that concerns me too. So I'm going to give you a Rocco concern that, that sort of backtracks to what I said before Jake, but explore this path. Okay. So for two Mm -hmm. years, for two years, Rocco did a really good job. And, and I'll say this, his first year was really smooth, like remarkably smooth sailing last year for sure had more hiccups. I didn't feel like it was terrible, but it was, you know, COVID shortened, lots of, there were problems. Um, but Rocco, for two years to me, in with the media, was very resolute in saying, everyone goes through challenges, we don't really have excuses, you know, the challenges are the challenges, we'll meet them and address them. Um, I feel like those first two years, we didn't get a, we, we got a lot of cliches, but I didn't feel we got a lot of double talk that went to, but you don't understand this problem and that problem. When I'm hearing of late to what you said, Jake, I'm hearing a guy who now is saying, well, there's problems here that we can't, you know, we're going to get back to night games. That's going to be great. To me, this seems very out of character for what he has preached for two years. And I just wonder what the reaction in the clubhouse is to that. Because this was a guy who I felt like went into the clubhouse previously and said, no excuses. We got problems at times. I get that. But that's on us to fix. And now it's sort of like he's looking for these outside forces, i.e. night games. It's going to warm up um, to fix things, which I don't really understand because this feels like the first time he's tried this. And, And because of that, to me, it almost feels like he's grasping at straws because this is the first time that things have really sort of gone sideways.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is the first true adversity that that Rocco has dealt with, at least in terms of their win loss record. You know, I mean, they they've been in first place or near first place his entire tenure um, until right now. So we're we're seeing him have to react to some different situations. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, he he's simultaneously saying, "I don't want to make excuses. We're not playing well," and then listing off all these excuses. Um, and so I I just I, I don't really I don't really buy into that. I think. I think Rocco's a good manager overall, but I think he has made a lot of mistakes um, on the field uh, and, and, and the lack of accountability in some of these press conferences does bother me. Like I get, you're not going to rip your players in the media for, you know, you shouldn't, but, but you can say things like, you know, we're, you know, we're not getting the job done and we need to be better. You know, that like that's not ripping any individual player, but it's taking some accountability. And I just don't hear a ton of that from him right now. Uh and, you know, I, again, we don't know what it's like in the clubhouse. Maybe he's laying into guys in the clubhouse. It, it doesn't seem like that's his style, but, um, it, it, yeah, it, it, he seems a little bit overwhelmed right now, and he's had to deal with a lot this year for sure. I, I get it, but. Um, it hasn't gone well for him, and all, every decision he's made seems to, to, you know, he's made a ton of fifty-fifty decisions, like the Donaldson decision in the Oakland game. I actually agreed with that. I thought they should have pinch ran for Donaldson. He's his spot probably yeah. wasn't going to come up in the order again. I'm with you on he this. Can't, he can't yes. run. You, you need a guy in there to try to score a run when you haven't been able to score a run all year in extra innings. I had no problem with that. It backfired spectacularly. So he's had those decisions go against him, and he's also made some decisions that to me just make no sense. Uh, like pitch hitting Osadio early in the year. Some of the decisions he made with Mike Trout in that one Angels game they played, like bringing the infield in in the sixth inning with second and third, nobody out uh, against Mike Trout. Like, is that really going to work out for you? Um, they intentionally <laughs> walked. They intentionally walked Trout after he got to two strikes in that game at one point. Um, you know, and then and then we've talked about it all. Season, uh, but but pulling these starters early when your bullpen uh, hasn't been good, and then pitching Colome for
2: forty nine pitches. I know,
1: yeah. Whew. And Man, Smelter's I mean, sitting
2: right there, and he's not great. But Colomay's, you know, like like at what point in time you you cannot wait to get Barrios out, right? Like he runs out to get Barrios. You're pitching a great game, but you're done. And Colome's falling apart. Like anyone would have taken him out. And he's like, oh, okay, forty nine pitches, and Smelter's there. And I'm not saying Smelter's great. But get him the hell out of the I mean Colomay was imploding. He blew yeah, the save. I
1: mean, yeah, he he blew the save twice. Um and to be fair to Colomé, the second in that uh tenth inning, I mean he absolutely should have gotten a save there. Like they're two straight just. No, he'd get the errors. win there.
2: Well he you're blew, right, he'd
1: get the win. Yeah. You, you're right. I, I'm just saying that tenth inning, he did walk two guys in that inning. Um but he didn't give up a hit and there were two atrocious errors. I'm not defending Coleman. He's been really, really bad this year. And, and once he walked those two guys in that inning, after getting the first two outs, he, I think you should have pulled him at that point. Um, and 49 pitches put him out for the whole Pittsburgh series, basically. Yes. Uh, and so that transitions to um, what I want to talk about with you, this, this article from, from Megan Ryan that you uh, originally sent me. Um, so, so I don't know if that was a one-on-one interview with Falvey or if that was like a radio interview he did or whatever, but, um, there's some interesting quotes in that piece, mm-hmm. uh, where, where she's, where Falvey's basically talking about how he, he's talked with Rocco about different things that have been happening in these games. And she specifically cites the Donaldson thing. Uh, and then she talks about, uh, in that article, the bullpen, uh, and how they've talked about bullpen management. And so I think the assumption from us, and I don't know if you'd agree, Dex, but, um, it, it seems like, we, we assume that they're all kind of on the same page. Rocco, Falvey, and Levine. And I think by Falvey putting that out there in the media. To me, that suggests that he is unhappy, and I don't know for sure, but it suggests that maybe he's unhappy with some of these things that Rocco's been doing that we and others have been criticizing all year. Um, because I, I don't think he would put that in the, you know, be quoted publicly uh, talking about these things if, if he didn't want to send a message. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think.
2: Well, the bullpen thing to me was, was the, the most intriguing because the Colomay thing. I thought that those guys were in lockstep on pitcher usage. But allowing Colomay to throw nearly 50 pitches was absolutely asinine and crazy. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you on running for Donaldson. Okay. Anytime I can run for him, I will because I'm afraid he's going to get, get hurt. And if there had been a bang, bang play, if there had been a single there and Donaldson tried to score and came up lame, we would rip Rocco for not yes. bringing in a guy to run. So on that one, I have no problem. In fact, In fact, I saw this yesterday. Donaldson has 100%, you guys, adjusted how he he runs now. He's running from almost his lower legs. Um, I can't describe it, but it's this low gait he's got now. He's not striding, really. He's trying to use it. It's almost like from his knees down, okay? So the fact that you ran for that guy, zero problem with. It did backfire. It it was a spectacular failure. But I thought the Columet conversation between Falvey and Rocco was far more intriguing because that one indicated to me that Rocco made a decision that I completely don't get and that Falvey wasn't on board. And yeah, I, there's there's definitely, there's an interesting disconnect there that we don't know a lot about because I think that we've always assumed that Rocco might get, you know, let's say a text message or something. Hey, you should do this now or that now. Um, and perhaps he doesn't. But I also think that there's a lot of people here, Jake, with with the way that things are going, a lot of people here in power searching for answers that they haven't necessarily had to search for themselves before, that they were assistants to the GM, right, or that they were a bench coach and not in, in the role that Rocco's in now. And I don't know that they have the answers. And the only time that these guys have dealt with what you can consider true adversity in the past two years before this would have been the playoffs, but they just lost and were done. So like it was just done, and then you just go home. This is the first time that they're sort of left to linger and answer questions um, of decisions they make that don't make sense. But I would love to know the dynamic of the actual freedom that Baldelli has um, and how Falvey feels about that, and if he's now going to try and take more control because there have been there have been some very curious decisions, including this one, Rocco and extras. Like what are you doing buddy? Like the extra inning formula. There's a formula here. Like this is not just baseball. Like it they do differ. You put a guy on second base. It's weird. I get that. But you got to have a formula for that. You got to have a plan. And Rocco just seems to be like we're playing for the long ball. We're playing for runs. That's not how this really works. So it's not dynamic. Yeah, I mean my my whole
1: theory on on extra innings is that one run is, is the prerequisite. You have to score that run, yep. you know, a, a, because that's basically what keeps the game going. But, you know, if you're, especially if you're um, in the top half of the inning, right? Like you score that run, uh, then, you know, you're assuming that the, the your opponent will score a run and it'll keep the probably the game going. And if you score more, that's great. Um, but so I really would, especially if I was, the road, to, well, it depends. It depends what happens if you're the home team. But either way, I think I would, I would play for one run in those situations. I think if you're the road team and you score that run, it does put a lot of pressure on your opponent, you know, and especially if you have a lockdown guy, which right now the twins don't really have it, other than Taylor Rogers. But, um, I think it puts a lot of pressure on the opponent that now you have to score that run and they just haven't taken that approach at all. There's really been no small ball other than Jake Cave, I think bunted once and it was successful. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like he's just treating it as if it's kind of the middle of the game, um, and, and I don't really get that, you know? And, and I, I, I've i brought this up so many times, but why does he keep pinch-hitting Williams Asadio, and why is Asadio playing so much? Like, I know there have been injuries – But that's why you call up a prospect like Nick Gordon to to take some of those at-bats away. Asadio is a a really nice depth player. Uh, He's a good 26 man because he can play basically every position, but he shouldn't be playing every day. And Jake Cave shouldn't be playing every day. You know, those guys are good, are solid depth guys, but that's it. Um, And so that's, you know, the Nick Gordon thing bothers me. This news just came out, but like, you're right. It seems yeah. cruel. It seems mean. Well, but like, but- I, and this is the big leagues. And this is the big leagues. But like, yeah, just just let me rant for one second. This guy's been in your organization for seven years. He's <laughs> been a top prospect for a long time. He's dealt with a lot of crap. He's gotten sick. He's gotten injured. Uh, he finally gets there, right? Finally gets there. It's this good. You know, this good news story. Uh, you know, feel good story after all this crap um, throughout his career. And you have him up for three games, and you don't get him in, even as a, just a pinch runner to something so that he's officially a major leaguer, and then you send him back down? Like, what kind of message does that send to, to some of the other minor league guys who are coming up through the system? I don't know. Uh, I, again, I get it's the big leagues, and you make decisions based on what's best for your team. It just seems like you could get the guy into one of those Pittsburgh games, man. Well, like, he, and I'll
2: he, give you where. and And you tweeted this, and then I tweeted something different, and we were both right. The last four <laughs> hitters of yesterday's game, okay? You're losing six to two. You stink at the plate. All right. The last four guys, starting with two outs in the eighth, Jorge Polanco. He's your shortstop. He's been struggling. Maybe a little bit improving, but you could have pinch hit for him, and I don't think anybody would have been up in arms. And then Nick Gordon can go play shortstop. Imagine that, okay? And then I tweeted this. In the ninth inning, Mitch Garver. Couldn't hit my dog right now. Strikes out swinging. Next batter, Jake Cave. Strikes out swinging. And then Ostadia grounds to short. And here's my question. All right. Nick Gordon or Jake Cave? You're telling me Jake Cave has to hit? Like, think about that for a second. So so I'm with you on too bad, kid, it's the big leagues? Like, if I have a guy hitting eighth who I really like, I would have told Nick, too bad. Sorry, Sorry, buddy. Sure. But it's Jake Cave. It's the perfect time to say, you know what, Jake, take a seat. Like it, yeah. it's over for today, Nick. You're going to hit. So to yeah. me, to me, it's a great message. Yeah. Reward the youngster and also show the world that you don't think Jake Cave's that good. So there's a and, good and a bad. And also,
1: just from a just from an actual. Sorry, uh, I'm just,
2: just driving crazy.
1: No, that, it drove me crazy too. Um, but also just from a baseball perspective, Nick Gordon was a top prospect for a long time. The guy can really hit. Your offense is terrible right now. Yeah. Why aren't you giving him a shot? Like give him some at bats, you know? Like you can give Polanco a day off. You can certainly give Asadio a day off. Um, why, why not plug him in there for a few games and see if he can give you a little bit of a jolt, you know? Instead, they keep up, uh, Tue Lin, who's a, a really nice veteran depth guy. Uh, but he's not an everyday player by any means. He's a guy that you have as like a defensive replacement. Uh, they kept him on the roster and sent down Gordon. I just, I, I don't get that. Like, let's see what the kid can do after all these years, you know? He puts up really good minor league numbers when he's healthy. He seems healthy now. He's put on weight. Like, give him a shot. I, I just, it it makes no sense to me.
2: But this is, where, this is where I think you are hitting on what I'm trying to say when I say I sense something is off, Jake. I think you are getting at what's off. So previously, the last two years, okay, I firmly believe Nick Gordon gets to hit, like once, like Rocco puts him in, and he does it because it's the right thing to do. You called the kid over from St. Paul. Um, Heck, if you're scuffling, it might help you out, okay? But right now, they are wed every day as they're struggling badly to playing J Cave and Ostadio and yet telling Nick Gordon you can't play. Think about how anti-Rocco for 2019 and 20 that would have been. It makes no sense. That's what I'm saying. I think people are panicking and not taking a breath and not staying true to who they are because they don't know what to do because this is really the first 2-11 type of slide, and it's baseball. It's not shocking that you would have a really bad slide, but the question is, do you know how to end it or at least push some buttons that will help end that slide? And I right now have my doubts that the people in charge know how to end it. They're not helping at all.
1: So what do you do if if, if you're Felvey or you're Rocco? Uh, you know, what do you do right now? I, I, I'm asking genuinely, like, what what, what moves
2: would you make? Ken? Well, I, I'd be one if I'm Rocco. Um, I'm staying more true to who I am, which, by the way, is not a guy who makes excuses. That's a new thing now. Like this whole thing about, oh, man, we'll get back and we'll get some sleep. That's all new. He didn't do that crap. So I'm not doing that. I'm also looking at Ostadia and Cave and saying, boys, you're going to have to play more than I want you to play. But you're not playing every single day. That's ridiculous. Kirilov, who, by the way, hit two balls on the nose on Sunday and got some bad luck. Um, I would have played him at first base at least one of those games. And, and look, the reality is this. You know, Miguel and Kepler aren't playing well. So I'm looking for any combinations that also might work. Um, But it's as if it's as if Rocco sort of in some ways, for lack of a better term for me, freaked out. And he's just like, I got to I'll try this. And we got to play Ostadia. And like you keep saying, I mean, Williams, Ostadia. So here's the thing that drives me nuts because you keep saying I hate him, which I don't hate him, really. But he drives me crazy. And here's why I've been I've given this some thought because your words in in the text were very strong because I do lash out a lot about him. So here's what I was thinking. How do I feel about him? And you know what? His first year here, it was fun. First of all, the team was playing really well. And he is comic relief to his teammates. I don't know. He doesn't really put that persona on publicly as much, like with, you know, the Zooms and stuff. But he is, his teammates love him. And I became convinced in that year that he actually was an important dynamic to the clubhouse because he kept them loose, which was great. But I never wanted, that was what I thought he was. I never wanted him to become an actual important part of the of the team on the field. Like he is, he borders on sort of a mascot type of guy. He swings at high pitches. He's a fun guy. Um, but now it's like they take him seriously as a player. And this whole thing of holding your cap as you're pursuing a foul ball. Yesterday, somebody popped up in shallow right field to arise. rise. And Ostadio went out there and basically jokingly like, got in Arise's face as he caught the ball. It's amateur hour, and it's fine if you're a bad team, but if you plan on being a good team, I'm not saying the Ostadios of the world can't have a role, but they can't be considered legitimate players. And right now, he's, I mean, Jake, he hit a fastball that was headed towards the press box on Friday. Like that thing was taking off like a jet, and he reached up, and it was all funny. Oh man, look at that! Look at that! You're ripping it! You're ripping him for hitting home run. That's a little league home run. <laughs> That's a little you, league home run. Which is fine if it's a one off, but the thing is, it was an important run. It, I just, it's not professional. It's not you know, professional. Fun. Well, listen. okay, the hat in the hand and running, all that crap has to drive you crazy.
1: Uh, listen. I don't think Williams Astadio should be playing every day. As I've said in this podcast and others, I think he's he's a, a legitimate depth guy because he can play so many positions. He can't play any of them particularly well, but there is value in having a sure. guy that can play like seven different positions. I'm with you. um, uh, But the fact that they're trotting him out there every day, it, yeah. I mean, that that has to change um, because he's just not an everyday player. But, they're tra-
2: close but, 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 but what drives me crazy is they're treating him like he's a really important player. And I think they think that they have to. And my response is, no, you don't. That doesn't mean he has to go down. And I do think that when things are going well, he provides for a baseball team and season. He provides a great attitude. And the comic relief is fantastic. I'm not trying to put that down. I'm just saying when Jake Cave and Astadio are being treated like everyday big league players, you're going off the rails. Oh, I'm I'm with you. And I want to get you on the rails because I got to watch you all summer.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, those guys are obviously they're getting too much time. Part of that is is COVID and injuries, but um, but there there are options that again, they should have Kirilov should have been on this roster since opening day. Yeah. You know, and that would solve some of these issues. Um, Nick, again, Nick Gordon could take some of these at bats. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this, this is just it, they're in a lot of trouble. They really are, um, and, and you know, it's twenty games into the season but they have the second worst record in baseball. And like you said, Sano and Kepler, when those guys come back, there's no guarantee that, that they're going to, you know, just step in and, and start raking. I mean, you know, they, they've they both struggled, especially Sano. Um, I really think this team's in a lot of trouble. I'm never willing to to say a season's over for after 20 games for a team that is trying to win. Um, but I do think if this goes on another two or three weeks, they might just think that I think if they get to like 10 games under 500, um, that's probably too big a hole to climb out of. And people will say, well, the Washington Nationals were 19 and 31 in 2019 and won the World Series. That That is true. Uh, but they had Juan Soto, uh, Rendon, Scherzer and Strasburg. Right. You know, um, this team has some star power and Buxton obviously is at the top of that list. Uh, but they're more of kind of like a. they seem to me more of like a grinded out win two out of three. Uh, you know, a lot of series and finish with like 90 type wins, right? They don't have the star power to go on a huge run. I don't, I don't think, I, I hope they prove me wrong. Um, yeah. So to me, I, they need to write this ship pretty quickly um, or it's going to, it's going to be a long summer and, and the trade deadline, we're going to be having very different conversations at the trade deadline than we thought uh, we'd be having. Again, there is still time. But this is a big hole. They've dug themselves a big hole. Two
3: things: the the, the one of the worst things ever to happen to baseball it wasn't necessarily the Nationals winning the World Series, but it was the fact they had the worst record on June first because every legitimate team who gets off to a slow start and every <laughs> broadcast team is going to be crutching <laughs> to that until we have kids. They have it's going to be a thing forever. I think it's yes. one of the worst things that is honestly ever. It was a fun World Series, by the way. Like I think that was amazing fun run by the Nationals. Um, another thing, too, as we're recording, uh, Byron Buxton has a sore knee, so he will be out of the lineup for Monday. The team hopes he'll be back on Tuesday. What? And obviously, I know a lot of us who are, or a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are probably going to already know about this, but right now, uh, your outfield in your first game against Cleveland is Louisa Rise in left, Jake Cave in center, and Brent Rooker in right field. So have fun watching one of the uh, prettiest slow-pitch softball outfields that you could potentially ever see, because uh, that one's going to be brutal. Yeah, I think they de- they designated like an actual term for his sore knee, like patella tendonitis oh, yeah. i believe no is that's what a real it thing yeah that's he great said he's, he said he's been dealing with it all season too by the way great Fantastic. he's been dealing with the sore knee all season they hope he's uh okay for tomorrow which i'm just gonna go with on the limb i'm guessing he's not okay
1: for tomorrow
2: hey i wonder how jackie bradley jr is doing in uh, milwaukee oh,
1: man yeah well your, your jackie bradley jr take is looking better and better by the day <laughs> i would have paid him that, too god that sucks about that sucks about Buxton. I wonder if it's related to the hamstring. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it probably is in some way. It, if it's the same leg, but it never ends. It, it's just it never ends. I feel bad. I, I really feel badly it? for the guy. I'm not playing I really him. do. It like, never can ends. Can you imagine? I mean, he's literally. I don't even think this is hyperbole. He's the best player in baseball when he plays right now. Like his his numbers are unbelievable. Yeah, he's and one of the most exciting for book. sure. For, but yeah, but yeah. even just I mean, I think he's better exciting.
2: than Trout probably. But no.
1: No, but but he's a top five player in baseball when he's healthy. Yeah. I really think that. Like, if you get 140 yeah. games from Buxton, he finishes top five in the MVP for sure. I'm with you. Oh man, this sucks. Yeah, it's just it sucks for him. And I wanted to have a segment where we talked about how amazing he's been. I mean, he could not. I think Bremer said this on the on the uh, broadcast on in that Oakland debacle on Wednesday. But he, he, Bremer was like, "What more could one player do to, to win you a game or something like that?" He did, I yeah. mean. He, The the guy is literally making spectacular diving catches and hitting home runs in the 10th inning, and they still lose the game. All his signature moments, or almost all of them, get taken away by just crushing losses. Um, That has to wear on him mentally. And all of these crushing losses that this team has had have to wear on them right now, because they've had three legitimately really brutal losses. Opening day, Mm -hmm. blowing the six-run lead in the middle innings to Seattle, um, and then the Oakland game was the worst of the three. When you combine those three with losing all of these extra inning games as well, uh, I mean, there, that would wear on anybody mentally. Um, and, and so when you combine that with, with COVID and, and underperformance from a lot of the hitters and Maeda not looking good, we haven't even talked about Maeda. Uh, it's a bad situation right now. There's just, you can't sugarcoat it.
2: That's my next question. Your concern about Kenta.
1: Um, I, I'm not super concerned yet. I, I, everybody's entitled to a bad start, you know? I mean, it, no, it, it, every great pitcher in the league has bad starts. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we got to give him a little more time. I do think last year was uh, a little bit – I mean, he way outperformed his career numbers. You know, he was a career, like, four ERA guy coming over, and he was a very good pitcher. I mean, the Dodgers counted on him to pitch big innings in the playoffs. So obviously he's a very talented guy, and I think he's a, a legit, you know – number one, two type starter. Um, but last year, uh, I, I think was, was above and beyond what we should expect from Maeda. Um, but I, I'm not super concerned yet. I, I think we need to give him a few more starts. I, I think he's proven through his career. He's at least, you know, a solid starter. So I'm not, I'm not that concerned. Uh, I'm more concerned about the, the bullpen, honestly, but I don't, do you, do you want to give your Maeda take? Uh,
2: I'm not concerned yet. I, I think that it's, Natural, he's going to take a step back. I guess my question becomes, how big is that step going to be? Uh, but when it comes to, for instance, Sano or Garver, I am losing hope quickly. Maeda, I'm not. Like, he might be fine. He, he He's not a true ace, which I'm cool with. Uh, but I also don't think he's as bad as he's been. And I think if he changes some things, he's going to be absolutely fine. The bullpen, the Colomay thing does concern me. Uh, mm-hmm. And it concerns me that Rocco continued – Rocco, who preaches I don't have a closer, continued to have him close when it was crystal clear that you would be far better off trying to put him in earlier in games. And I'm not I'm not saying that earlier in games is not important, but I think there is a different mentality. And I think it changes – I think it's a lot more relaxing uh, and takes stress off to come in in the sixth of a tight game than the ninth. And so – for a guy who says, I don't have a closer, Rogers will close, Duffy might close some, is going to close some. He sure stuck with Calame as the closer for too long. That concerned me. The pitching thing, and this guy seems like a good guy, and I think he means well, but he's going to cause me to pull out my hair. Matt Shoemaker, and the way he works. Dude, you gotta speed worker. it up. Oh, I know, but Jake, there's no excuse for that. There's no, I mean, baseball is slow enough, and there are factors in baseball. The foul ball, right? Like, I'd like to speed those up, but you really can't. They're just foul balls. Here's what you can speed up. When I am a fourth or fifth starter and I'm on the mound and it's a cold Sunday afternoon and it starts to snow and my fielders are behind me saying, get me off the field, Maddie! Get me off the field. And I'm rubbing up the ball. I'm walking around, peering in for the signs. It drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean that's like half the starters in the league, but um, but I get it. I get. It. But I get, if you're you good, were,
2: I almost absolve you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, I think sh- I think Shoemaker. Yeah, I mean he does work very slow. There's no question about that. He's a he's a good fourth or fifth starter. Jay Happ is obviously a very good fourth. It Was or fifth a hell starter. of a start Friday. Yeah, was, it was. I really thought they were going to turn the table. I really did. I was like, they're going to go on a run. Pittsburgh is terrible. I agreed that 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 series that was a big, that was almost a bigger wake up call to me than any of the West coast games because they were dealing with so much crap on the West coast. I'll sort of forgive them for that. Mm-hmm. And they had the an incredibly unlucky. I mean, it was their own doing, but like committing two errors like that doesn't happen that often, but the Pittsburgh series to lose two out of three to a Pittsburgh team that is basically, you know, I mean, they're, they're not competitive this year. They're not trying to be competitive, really. Um, they're just kind of uh, playing out the string. You know, they've got, you know, these, these, sort of journeyman guys in there Um, they're projected to lose you know 95 to 100 games you have to win that series at home I mean you just have to win that series at home like you're supposed to be a good team like that to me shows that there's just there's something going on maybe behind the scenes that again we're not aware of because we can't get in there but um, it was pretty it's a pretty lackluster performance I mean It's not good. It's just not good. There's nothing positive to talk about. There's nothing positive to talk about.
2: Saturday's game is the Twins season, in my mind, in a nutshell, and here's why. Trevor Cahill, the veteran, Trevor Cahill, who started for the Pirates, Jake, entered that game with a 9.69 ERA. Michael Perez entered that game for for the Pirates. I believe he was the catcher. One for 18 with two walks and eight strikeouts. Cahill proceeds to give up one run and two hits in six innings of work. And Perez had a double, a home run and a single and drove in three runs. That's the twin season. Two guys who, who you couldn't pick out of a lineup. Now I had heard of Cahill until he was actually in lineup on Saturday. I had never heard of Perez before. That's the season to me summarized in that one game.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, they didn't, they couldn't score any runs against a, a Pittsburgh Pirates pitching staff. That's, it's pretty bad. You know, um, I mean, they only won that, that Jay Hap start, you know, Ostadio and Cave had two solo home runs. That was their entire offense. You know, I mean, I, uh, you can't blame the weather. The Pirates are scoring plenty of runs. I, I hate blaming the weather. I hate that because both teams are playing in it. Yeah, like that, that's a BS excuse to me.
2: I'm with. Oh, no, I'm completely with you. There's, there's very few excuses. I mean, they're not playing well. It's just that simple. Guys are struggling. Yeah. It's just that simple. Like you could find out, you could say more sleep or whatever, blah blah. blah. I don't, I don't care. Every team is going to go through this. What, what impressed me about the Twins the last two years was that they did grind through things. And like if there were hiccups, they got through them right. Like last year was difficult, but you know what? They grinded through it. Did a pretty good job. And for some reason, that mentality has almost changed, and I don't know why. So, final thoughts. And, and if. Just
1: real quick on the weather thing. Yeah. If anything, the weather should be an advantage for the Twins because they're used to playing in it, and most of these teams aren't. Yeah. You know, so like if anything, it's a an advantage. But final thoughts. Um, I mean, you know, Declan just told told us about the Bucs and injuries, so that's obviously a concern. Uh, I guess my final thought is they're in a lot of trouble. They can still turn it around, but these next two weeks are are critical. If this continues, if we continue to go down this path, uh, you know, through mid May, uh, that could That could be just about it. So they got to turn things around. They need to go on like a four of six, five of seven streak pretty quickly here.
2: All right, Jake DePew, I will uh, talk to you next week. And hopefully, hopefully we have something good to talk about then. Talking Twins, we'll talk to you.
0: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar.